0: Time for sex, the podcast, cause sexuality is tough, tough. and okay, sex just isn't good enough, no, time for, time for sex.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Sex, the Podcast. I am with Michael Spencer. Michael's business is called Let's Purify. And I'm going to let Michael introduce herself.
0: Thank you so much, Erica. It's amazing to be here. And I'm really excited to be part of Sex the Podcast. So, as you said, my business is called Let's Purify. And I guide and facilitate a process with people called home energy purification. And home energy purification is all about our relationships with our stuff. And so I help people to, on some levels, I help people declutter. So it may be sorting through the accumulated belongings in attics, basements, garages, closets, that stuff that is hidden away and avoided a lot of times. And we think, oh, I'll get to that next week. And then next week turns into next year or even next decade. Mm -hmm. So helping people in terms of sorting through that accumulated stuff, And then also addressing the underlying emotional, mental, energetic, and spiritual attachments that we may have to those objects. And so my background is I have training as a mental health counselor and practiced as a therapist for eight or nine years. And I also have training in Reiki and I completed a program called Modern Day Priestess, which was a modern day mystery school program where we did a lot of work with energy work and spirituality and mysticism. So I bring a lot of interesting aspects to this home energy purification work.
1: That's wonderful. It's interesting that you're talking about like the decluttering and how does that apply? I mean, we just moved and some of the listeners already know that we just moved across the country. So I feel like I could have used you back in Washington (laughs) going through the crap before it showed up here in, on the other side of the country. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. And that is, it does tend to be a time when people start looking at it because it's like, oh, I don't want to move this stuff again.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I haven't looked in that box for a year or more. Mm-hmm. What do I do with this stuff? Yep. So that's wonderful. I do want to talk about how items hold memory for us. So some of my early training when I was getting my bachelor's degree, we actually did some research with babies about memory and objects and so mm-hmm. getting to show them new objects and watch them watch a new object and and remember how to do a certain motion. Mm-hmm. So, I kind of want you to talk about that. How do our items hold memory? And our listeners, I promise, we'll get to how this relates to sex.
0: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. We are going to come back around to that. Yeah. So, our objects, from an energetic standpoint, I believe that they have the energy of the spaces that they're stored in, they have the energy of the experiences that are related to them. So, let's say that you've inherited. The cookware from your grandmother. That cookware is going to be imbued with whatever type of energy was in your grandmother's home for all those years and the type of energy that she brought to cooking. So maybe it was really nourishing and maybe she was really about feeding people and caring for people in that way. Or maybe this grandma was abusive and withheld love in some way related to food and cooking. So we, we can never make assumptions about the particular meaning that an object might have because it's so personal to our own experience and how we have been with a particular object over the time that it's been in our experience. And like I'm referring to with something that's been in someone else's home and someone else's possession that we may have inherited, it also has energy from all of those experiences.
1: Thinking about it in that way is such an interesting piece of our personal history, right? Mm -hmm. Like the personal story that we tell ourselves and how are the objects of our lives have either created connection, created wonderful, positive memories and feelings within us, or maybe not.
0: Exactly. And I think that's where my work can be really meaningful in helping people to achieve a new level of freedom or liberation around their stuff in getting very clear about what they choose to carry with them because a lot of times we carry stuff from house to house from you know we put it in one closet and then we move it to another closet or it sits in a box or these maybe even things that are out in the living space with us that we maybe haven't brought a clear awareness to the choice to have it in our lives or not. So often we may inherit something, maybe something's given as a gift, and we may have beliefs about that, well, you shouldn't re-gift something because that's rude or you have to hold on to it for a year or, you know, whatever these things we make (laughs) up without really having awareness of the choice to say, you know what, this on a soul level or on a gut level, you know, however people tune in, man, this just doesn't resonate. I really... yeah,
1: absolutely. absolutely. I think yeah. that's a wonderful way to think about it. Obviously, our audience can't see us, but I'm like nodding and I'm like, <laughs> I'm looking around the room while we're talking. I'm like, okay, what in this room have I kept for far too long? But then I have things that I've kept because I love them. I have this tiny little plastic, it is hideous looking, <laughs> pl- plastic domed little swamp. So it's like plastic clear domed swan. Mm-hmm. And it was given to us by a friend of the family for our wedding. I've never met this person. I, it, was, it came to us for our wedding. And I remember thinking, this is the most hideous thing I've ever seen. I'm going to get rid of it. And then my maid of honor, my best friend, who continues to be my best friend to this point, decided to play a joke on me and make sure that it was on the cake table. <sighs> And so the memory then of that item completely changed because I saw it on the cake table and I looked at her and she died laughing. Uh And so we had this little moment that I still look at that and I laugh. I laugh at that little swan. It is awful and ugly, Uh but I love it at the same time.
0: Yes. And so there's that multi-layered meaning. Mm -hmm. And- and it's so funny because if our listeners could hear us they or see us, they would see me nodding. And And I'm so riveted by people's stories about their connections to their stuff. And I love hearing how the meaning shifted in an instant for you. And I imagine you can see the smile on your best friend's face right now in your mind's eye as you look at that swan.
1: Yep and when she l- listens to this episode she's going to call me and me just be <laughs> like <laughs> Can't believe we told that story. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love it. But that I think is an excellent example, like what of what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. The items of our lives hold things for us; they hold memory. Mm-hmm. So, tell me a little bit about how this connects to people and their most intimate lives. And I, we can touch on sex, but I mean intimacy. Maybe even um, we've already touched on abuse a little bit. What have you kind of seen? Not maybe with just clients, but maybe globally and some of the things that you've seen across your work?
0: So we're human beings. And so we are dense energy beings. And in order to survive in these physical bodies, we need stuff. We need shelter. We need food. And we need things around us for our comfort. And certainly, perhaps we have way more than we actually need to survive. So, my work is never about judgment about what we should or shouldn't carry with us and what we should or shouldn't have in our lives. It's about getting really clear. And I think that word intimate is really applicable because it is so personal. It's so deeply personal what we choose to surround ourselves with. And when we bring that consciousness to it, we get to be really clear, just like you're saying with that. Swan, that it brings this joy. It's this really funny memory. That, and, and that's an intimate moment that happened at your wedding with your best friend. Like, what a beautiful experience. And, and that's what it's about bringing our awareness to surrounding ourselves with as many things as possible that give us that uplifting feeling that may not be obvious from the outside perspective. Nobody else, other than all your listeners now,
1: yeah, right? <laughs> will
0: know, you know, walking into a room, they're going to see that object and not understand the meaning that it holds for you. And so I feel like that relates to a piece of what you're asking. And my background as a therapist was in trauma. And so I'm, you kind of always have that trauma lens in my awareness, and so we can certainly subconsciously or unconsciously be choosing to maintain objects in our surroundings or that are hidden away that do represent traumatic experiences in our lives, and Absolutely. I I think we don't often bring the attention to it in part because it's extremely painful to revisit traumatic experiences or even just highly emotionally charged experiences
1: absolutely I've I've definitely not only just work with clients but I, I can identify what you're talking about not only personally but with clients with friends with family that they've held on to something that they can't get rid of even though it is this symbol of something that is incredibly painful to them. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like there's resistance inside yourself. It is that that resistance that we work with people all the time, but that resistance even within ourselves of like, I this is unfinished. I don't know what to do with this thing.
0: Yes. And with my work, I help to bring tools to be able to work with it. So while I don't formally practice therapy anymore, there are therapeutic aspects to what I do. Because while I don't work only with words, we're working with the energy and the experiences that are connected to these objects. And so sometimes just simply moving an object. So let's say there's an object that represents a a trauma or a really painful or emotionally charged experience that has been in a box tucked away in a closet for four years. I might say, what's one small movement that you could make with this object that could help to bring a shift and to represent the internal willingness to start to shift and change your way of relating with the experience and the object. And so the work is a little bit like Santre. And I don't know if your listeners are familiar with Santre work. So you create a world in the sand with various objects and then move the objects and that helps to move our relationships with previous experiences. And so this is kind of real life where Mm. we're moving an object. And so I do a lot of work in the, the spiritual and energetic realm and my clients are really open to that. So it may just be burning sage around a box where The object is.
1: I think that that's a really interesting way to think about it because one of the things we used to talk about, not only in school, I talk about it with my clients. I actually talk about it with my kids too, that smell is one of those very powerful ways to access memory for us. Mm -hmm. We had a professor who actually taught us to uh, like peel an orange while we were studying and then to peel the orange while we were taking the test itself. And you the, your ability to recall memory if you associate that memory with a smell mm-hmm. is like quite a bit by a high percentage, of course, I don't know it off the top of my head sure. but the your ability to be able to remember something if you can associate it with a smell. So to me, doing sage work makes a lot of sense intuitively just because of that powerful connection to smell mm-hmm. we have,
0: yeah, and you're right, Which it's repairing a traumatic or painful experience with something that represents purifying in a really gentle way and clearing. And it may be that, or it may be placing a crystal in the box, Mm. or there may be another object in the home that represents strength or power or love. And so maybe that object wants to go hang out with the object that represents the trauma. And so Mm. it is very intuitive it's using that felt sense. So I I make suggestions with my clients and it's always about what resonates with them. And often they're like, Oh, I don't want to do that. And I do want to do this. And so often my suggestions will elicit that internal idea or that inspiration to go, Oh, this is how it would feel best to move forward.
1: Oftentimes, and I'm sure you felt this way also when you were working as a therapist as well, that our clients tell us exactly what they need. Indeed, It's not anything we're doing. We're not... Psychic people like it takes some work to try to try to really help a client see. Oh, okay, this is something I actually really want, and then they finally feel freedom to be able to say those things. Yes. and so I imagine you experience that quite a bit in your work,
0: mm-hmm. and it is a process. When you've worked with
1: people who've dealt with abuse or trauma, have you worked with people with sexual trauma, maybe around certain objects?
0: And it's interesting. I have not specifically. And I felt very inspired to even have this conversation just to help inspire your listeners and, you know, anyone who may come across this podcast because home energy purification can be related to any objects that that we're holding and that have meaning for us in our homes. And so when I reached out to you, it was with this idea of like, oh people could use home energy purification to bring awareness to the items, the objects, the belongings that they have in their homes that represent their sexual lives.
1: And this is one of the reasons why I was really excited when we started talking together on the podcast is that Oftentimes we create distance between ourselves and our sexual selves because mm-hmm. we think, oh, okay, that's my sexual identity. My sexual life is something separate or it's something I'm ashamed of. So I don't really want to think about that or talk about that. But one of the things that I think we forget as well is that we have actually stuff in our house about it too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whether it's a book, whether it's a sex toy, whether it's some kind of blindfold, what, whatever it is, mm-hmm. we have stuff that represents it.
0: Yes. And if we are not aware of the meaning that that stuff has for us, how that stuff brings up an emotion or an energetic response, because like you're saying, so often our sexual lives are also kind of relegated to a closet or a a closed off space and it can become kind of shadowy in there. And so the idea of bringing light to the truth of how I really feel about this sex toy. You know, maybe a person has a sex toy that gets shoved to the back of the drawer. Maybe there's shame about even having it. And they actually want to explore it a little bit more Let's say, like, what happens if we move that to the front of the drawer? What happens if we get a, a special box? That sits out on the dresser. That's like, this is for things that represent my sex life.
1: I think that's a really interesting way to think about it because I also get lots of questions from parents that are like, what if my kid finds this thing Uh, and it is out of utter terror that they will harm their children in some way if they are exposed to any kind of sexuality any kind of sexual material and of course we we guard children from people who might want to hurt them mm-hmm. but when it comes to things that are personal to you if one of your children finds it it's actually an opportunity to start a conversation
0: mm-hmm. maybe
1: not at 3 but maybe at 12 13 mm-hmm.
0: 14 15 right in an age appropriate way with appropriate context. Exactly. Absolutely.
1: And then your child then understands that you do not have shame about having a sexual life. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that a person needs to, you know, leave out all the porn for the kids to find. That's (laughs) that's not what we're talking about, but we're talking about these objects that hold maybe actually special positive memories for you
0: and a partner. Absolutely. And I think... That's the first step then, especially if a person has children in the home and they're concerned about what the children might think about finding a particular object or stumbling upon it somehow. It seems like it's really important then for us to all be aware of what is my relationship with this particular object? Am I carrying shame about it? Do I feel like I shouldn't have it?
1: It's a taboo for me to get these things. right?
0: And so to bring that stuff out into the light, literally, you know, so maybe you're sitting on your bed with, in a private space so that you can really be aware of what comes up whenever I look at this piece of lingerie that was given to me by a past lover. Huh? What is that like? And has the energy from that past relationship been cleared from that item? Is it something that a person wants to continue to have in their dresser? Do they even wear it? You know, like, and then even to the, you know, the very practical, because my work tends to touch on all of these different facets, including the practical. So are we carrying around, you know, since we're talking about lingerie, for instance, pieces that don't fit or that aren't flattering or that we just don't like?
1: I'm nodding and and (laughs) agreeing and I can't tell you how many pairs of clothing that I have kept over the years. Oh yes, I'm going to wear that someday. And I don't.
0: Right. And so when we do that with anything, with this, oh, someday and four years go by and 10 years go by and we're still holding on to it, we are allowing part of our energy to be hooked in to the past or to the future. So, a lot of this work is about being present and real and authentic with ourselves, about what we're holding on to and why
1: I think that's a one I think that's a wonderful way to think about it like i and when I talk to my clients about depression and anxiety in particular, that's what when you were talking about this, I was thinking about that that anxiety tends to be a disorder of the future, Mm -hmm. right? You're constantly worried about what's going to happen and depression tends to be an issue of dwelling in the past. Mm -hmm. So I think that the idea that you can try to be present in the current moment right now with whatever the item is, is a really, really wonderful way to think about it. Yeah, I do wonder if you've ever done work or if you've encountered people that have wanted for an item to be cleared, maybe there was infidelity with the item or like, I'm thinking of old wedding rings. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. of old jewelry or even other things like that lingerie you've already brought up. Have you Mm -hmm. ever helped someone work through any of that?
0: Yeah. And I think the key for things like that is so individual and personal. And I think that those items provide such a beautiful avenue for exploring a person's own internal clearing about their beliefs about, for instance, if it is infidelity. And we can always invite in ceremony and ritual as ways of being with these objects. And so we're clearing the energy of the objects and we're also clearing our relationship with them. And sometimes through doing an experience like that, sometimes people will realize wow, something has really shifted and there's a new level of forgiveness of other or forgiveness of self, then the object itself feels less charged. And sometimes being with it, there can be a real honesty and a person can say, you know what, I I don't want this in my experience anymore. I'm gonna have this wedding ring melted down and turned into a different piece of jewelry or I'm going to pawn it or sell mm-hmm. it because that feels like the best way to bring about that alchemical shift by, by changing the maybe the actual structure of an object. Sometimes people like to burn things. Obviously, anytime we're burning things, we want to do it in a safe way. So we're not setting anything else on fire intentionally. <laughs> <Right. laughs> and other times people are able to continue traveling with an object and going, yeah, I feel totally different about this now that I've done the work with it, now that it's been moved and held and acknowledged. And sometimes also, I will suggest doing journaling work with journaling with a particular object. And so we get to take on the voice of ourselves and then the voice of the object in a dialogue. It's really profound because it's all, everything in our homes, our sexual stuff and everything else. Is all a reflection of us anyway. Mm-hmm. You know And then of course, when other people are in the home, we've got multiple people's projections represented in our stuff.
1: I was just kind of struck by it. I'm, I'm, again, I'm looking around on my desk. I'm going, mm-hmm. okay, what's like, what is this stuff and why do I have it? And I tend to be a bit of a nerd if the listeners didn't already know that. <laughs> um, and I have like stuff from Steven Universe on my desk and Star Trek. And I have my little, when I was doing agency work, someone came in and was doing like a training around neurotherapy and things like that. And so I have a little stress ball that's a brain uh-huh. And I'm just looking around and these all these little memories are coming up with these items that I have mm-hmm. on my desk and they're for me and they're not for anybody else. So I think it's a a really interesting way to think about how you can get through issues that may come up around your sex life, around maybe sexual trauma, around any, maybe even relational issues. I think your work is fantastic. And so if people wanted to find you, how would they find you in the world?
0: Yeah, I have a website that is letspurify.energy and my email is michael at letspurify.energy. And yeah, all the information to contact me is on there and I provide two basic services. I do a 90 minute interview session and planning session that I call clarify to purify And Mm -hmm. that's a beautiful starting place. So it's a 90 minute session. And then we do a 30 minute follow-up. That's a beautiful place to start. If a person's like, I need to get clear about what's holding me back from really digging in, whether it's in a particular area of one's life, like, wow, I really do need to go through my sex life stuff. I need to sort through my porn collection and decide which stories and which themes and which practices really represent the type of sex that I want to be having, or the type of stimulation that I want to have. And the type of stuff that's like, Oh, every time I watch this, or I look at the cover of this magazine, or this DVD, I feel kind of sick to my stomach. And you get to be aware of that. So whether it's uh, one particular area of life, or a person going, I want to sort through everything in my home, I want to get clear about everything that I'm carrying with me, that interview is a great place to start. And then we end with a planning session. And then of course the follow-up session. And then I have a, right now I'm calling it full on purification. I think I'm going to be switching up that name at some point. Mm. And that's going to be right now I'm offering three month and six month. I'm going to be paring that down into a three month program. And that's great for people who want to do an in-depth process and look at everything that they're carrying and and have an opportunity in a sacred space to be able to process the mental, emotional, spiritual, energetic attachments, as well as having support for the practical and logistical aspects, because you're looking, you know, at your desk, and there's a bunch of stuff there. And so imagining the uh, chaos that can ensue when we start cleaning out a whole attic, I also help with that, the logistical aspects of being able to do that in a sustainable way where you can actually finish the project. And the other important thing about my work is that I work exclusively over the phone and online via video conferencing. So I'm available to people all over the world, which is really amazing to be able to offer these services in such a broad way. And it's helpful for me as a highly sensitive person as many of us are, to not be in all of these environments. So it's helpful on a bunch of different angles there.
1: That's really, really cool. So you are also a podcaster.
0: I am, yes. And my podcast, I am currently in the process of relaunching it. So when it reemerges, it is called the Let's Purify podcast, and it will be available on iTunes and all the places that you can find podcasts. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. And I will make
1: sure all of this is in the show notes for our listeners so they can find you in the world. Wonderful. Is there anything else?
0: I just, I want to speak to often whenever we have things that are hidden away, whether it's the stuff in our attics and basements or our sex stuff that of course there can be some shame associated with that. And I would just love to invite the listeners to purify away any of that shame through bringing the stuff out into the light and looking at it and, and being real and authentic about the thoughts and beliefs that are associated with that stuff.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Michael. I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you all so much. Thanks for sticking around to the end. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening, folks. Please rate and review on iTunes. It helps this podcast get found. If you leave a five-star review, let me know about it on any social media, and I'll shout you out on the podcast. You can find my website at ericamiley.com. You can find me on Facebook, the gram, and Twitter. See y'all next time.